Get used to that question. Oh, clever. Yeah, very clever. What's wrong? What's wrong? Seriously, what's wrong? I've never seen anyone die before. A few hours ago, we were standing in a garden full of dead people. It was different. How? They were dead already. Morally and practically, that is not a useful distinction. Unlearn it. Don't tell me what to think. I'm your teacher. Telling you things is what I do. Yeah. Tell me this. You've seen people die before, yeah? Of course. You still care? Of course I care. How many? How many what? If you care so much, tell me how many people you've seen die. I don't know. How many before you lost count? I care, Bill, but I move on. Yeah. How quickly? It's not me you're angry with. Have you ever killed anyone? There's a look in your eyes sometimes that makes me wonder. Have you? There are situations when the options available are limited. Not what I asked. Sometimes the choice is available. That's not what I asked! Yes. How many? Don't tell me. You've moved on. And you know what happens if I don't move on? More people die. There are kids living rough near here. They may well be next on the menu. Do you want to help me? Do you want to stand here stamping your foot? Because let me tell you something, I'm 2,000 years old, and I've never had the time for the luxury of outrage. Hello and welcome to Who Watches Who, a Doctor Who podcast with me, Matthew, and as always, I am joined with... Hello, it's Scott. (laughs) Hello, Scott, and we are kicking off December already somehow. It is... the chilly months are here, you know, frost is about, I'm seeing my breath outside, it's dark at like 1pm, you know. (laughs) Uh, Winter has arrived, and what better way to to start off the winter season than watching Peter Capaldi punch a racist man, you know? Exactly, it's perfect. It's absolutely fantastic, because this week we are looking at Thin Ice, the Peter Capaldi episode that aired on the 29th of April 2017, which was a staggering, somehow, five years, seven months, and one day ago at the time of recording, which is just... (laughs) <laughs> oh my god, I cannot believe that this season was five years ago. Five half, half a decade. Half a decade. I know. It's it's crazy. It just feels like yesterday we were waiting for Peter Capaldi to finish his run. And now, you know, one doctor has finished, you know? I know. You know? Uh, it's, it's crazy. <laughs> absolutely insane. Uh, At the time, the U.S. president was, of course, Mr. Donald J. Trump, and the U.K. prime minister was (laughs) Theresa May. 
This was back in oh. the days of Theresa May and her weird the dancing dance. queen herself. Yeah, <laughs> her weird, weird dance. Uh, since 2017 wasn't that long ago, Scott, you could be in with a fair chance at guessing what is number one at the box office on on this day. Could it? Guardians of the Galaxy Two came out around about this time, right? It did. You're close, but you're wrong. Right. Any hints? Um, cars. Cars too. <laughs> cars free. No, no. Um, cars, cars, cars. James Bond. No. Um, Herbie fully loaded. Actually, <laughs> Herbie goes bananas. <laughs> yeah, that was it. No, it was of course the fate of the Furious. Oh, uh, Fast and Furious Eight, I think, because puns or something. I don't know. I not seen it. It's really no. not my jam as far as movies go at all. But hey, oh, it made a crap ton of money. Uh, at the it overtook in the box office. Uh, the greatest film ever made, Boss Baby. Uh, oh, what a fucking horrendous year 2017 was oh for God. film uh and next month it would be guardians of the galaxy yeah. 2 in the okay. number one slot at the box office which is it's a pretty fun pretty fun sequel as... i remember really liking it yeah yeah it's 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 a lot of fun uh not much happened on this day but if we turn our eyes back to history in 1707 the english and scottish parliaments accept an act of union creating the united kingdom and great britain which was you know a pretty huge fucking (laughs) mistake uh in 1715 the english astronomer john flamseed observes uranus for the sixth time and i only wrote this in because i'm (laughs) immature and said he was observing uranus and i was like ha uh, then flashing just a couple years forward to 2004, uh, Dick Cheney and George W. Bush testify before the 9-11 Commission in a closed, unrecorded hearing in the Oval Office. What would they say? Nobody would know. I would fucking be real interested to be a fly in a wall during that hearing, yeah. you know? It'd be be a, a wild, wild time. And then jumping forward a few hundred years to the Far away year 2018, the animated series. The animated a few, a few hundred years from 2004 to 2018. Yeah, well, did you not hear my other joke when I went seven? When it was 1715, and I went just a couple years later in 2004. Like, <laughs> I was with my intention to be honest. <laughs> And in 2018, the little-known animated series called The Simpsons surpasses 635 episode count of Gunsmoke, making it the highest number of episodes from any series on television. Uh, well, which is just not quite, not insane. quite, but I think it's American primetime television. Yeah, yeah, which is still fucking insane. Mm-hmm. Just a insane amount of episodes of The Simpsons, uh, which like most of. I've seen could, maybe a quarter. Could like, you imagine covering a long-running series of hundreds of episodes? That'd be just insane. It would be, yeah. <laughs> it would. It would be real, real bad. A really dumb idea to do. <laughs> uh, completely idiotic. But that is that is all that happened. The 29th of April is a pretty quiet year in history. It's a pretty quiet year in general. You know, it's where everybody's yeah. just sitting around their TV being like, oh boy, how's, why is it still snowing? You that know? one day is certainly a quiet year. Yeah. <laughs> it is. It is. It's it's a long day as well. Uh, 
But that is all that I've got, Scott. Uh, why don't you take us into a little bit of the creating of the Thin Ice episode? Well, it's been a while since we've actually covered an episode that aired during our lifetime. So um, what was your remembrance of this episode? I remember watching it live because um, I was I was really digging the season of Capaldi. I was it's coming off his last season, and his last season was fucking phenomenal. Uh, and I was I was super 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 into it. Uh, and I remember this episode just being fun. It's like semi forgettable uh, as far as things go because it's just a light hearted romp. Yeah. There's there's like no big stakes. It's still it's like really early in the season. I think it's maybe episode three uh of the season or something like that so it's just like you know let's have a little adventure that's not super into any of the big overarching story stuff with this vault uh or anything like that you know it's uh it's a fun little little episode little monster of the week episode you know it's completely harmless and just enjoyable 40 minutes of tv yeah this is uh, i've spoken about this before in the show but series 9 really lost me as a viewer and i was thinking about quitting the show I mean, I kept on here, and all season 10 is like a return to form. It's great now. Yeah. And basically I, what Stephen Moffat did during this season, when he kind of rebooted it slightly, did a soft reboot. Because, you know, it's, it's introducing the show to a new audience, essentially, through the eyes of Bill. Yeah. And I think that was a wise choice. Obviously, the following season, we'd, we'd get another reboot, which is interesting to think about. But the first episode of this season is called The Pilot, which is interesting. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, it is. I, you know, I really, really liked season nine. Uh, it's not a hundred percent great, but there is just, I fucking compared to season eight, which was just a goddamn nightmare. I really hated Capaldi's first season. His second season really brought it back for me. And then his third season just knocked it all home. You know, Uh, I enjoyed most of season nine apart from that final episode, which we'll cover someday. But yeah, that final episode just really took me away from the show. And then I heard, you know, I I ended up watching the Doctor Mysterio episode. That's f- and, fun, fun enough. You know, Matt Lucas in his, is in that episode. And I think he's insufferable in that episode, <laughs> in the Christmas special. <laughs> and when I heard he was going to be in series ten, I was like, oh, for God's sake, really? <laughs> See, I quite like Matt Lucas. Is he in the Doctor Mysterio episodes as well? Because I know he's in Husbands yeah. of River. No, Song. sorry, River Song. It was yeah, Husbands of River. Yeah. I, I think he does show up at one point during Doctor Mysterio. I don't remember. Doctor Mysterio is like an okay Christmas special. It's like not fantastic at all, but it might be Capaldi's worst Christmas special, honestly, because the one with Nick Frost as Santa and it's just alien is a lot of fun. And yeah. the Husbands of River Songs, the best Christmas special ever made. He was. He was like a companion in huh. Doctor Mysterio, and I think he was really bad in that episode. He was also kind of bad. One of the weak points of Husbands of River Song yeah it's probably one of the weakest points of husbands of river song uh but he really comes into his own in season 10 i think yeah, he really is, does is even in this episode fuck. i think in this episode he has one of the best lines and he's only in it for like one scene mm-hmm, mm-hmm. yeah yeah he absolutely is uh yeah no i i i have a soft spot for Nardole. Uh, him and Bill are both, I think, pretty unappreciated TARDIS yeah. companions because they were, you know, in the TARDIS for such a brief period of time. Yeah, and it was uh, such a... It was a trans... What's the word? It was like between two periods of transitions, you know? Yeah. Peter Capaldi leaving and obviously Jodie Whittaker coming in. But the writer of this episode is Sarah Dollard, who was born in 1980 in Australia. And guess what? She worked on Neighbours... 
Oh, you know? wow. <laughs> yeah. Uh, she worked on Neighbours between 2007 and 2013. And if you remember, we just covered an episode written by someone who famously wrote soaps for a while. It was a Haunting of Villa Diodati. Yes. The woman yes, who wrote yes, that yes. episode also wrote soaps. So it's an interesting combination of how many writers write soaps also. You need to be a good writer to write soaps. The yeah. the, turn, the turnaround on them is insane. Yeah, Absolutely. Yeah, it bonkers. sounds insane. Uh, she moved to the UK and became an assistant script editor on series two of Merlin, a Doctor adjacent show, and script editor on the final series of Primeval, which was when the show was like a Canadian co-production between, obviously, United Kingdom and Canada, which is... I think I don't think I saw the final season. I definitely didn't see the final season of Primeval. I think I've seen maybe the first and second season of Primeval, and I, it's such a vague memory because I watched it as a kid when it came out and haven't revisited it. Yeah, I, I remember only watching it because Doctor Who wasn't on. <laughs> it's the only reason why I ever watched Primeval. And it was yeah. so much like Doctor Who, I was like, yeah, might as well just watch Primeval. It was a fun it's, show. It was fun. You know, dinosaurs, what, what more can you want? Yeah, like, I, I imagine if we go back to that, the special effects horribly, don't hold up. I guarantee, <laughs> yeah, I guarantee it does not look good. Uh, she also wrote for shows like Being Human, You, Me, and Apocalypse, and also created a show called Love Me. Before this episode, she wrote for Face of Raven, which should have been Clara's final episode. Yes. I think it was a huge mistake to bring her back two episodes later. Yeah, Face the Raven is a real good episode. Real good. And the the sudden consequences for Clara yeah. just I remember just absolutely like taking me off my seat where it's like, oh my fuck. Like <laughs> I don't think I've seen Face the Raven since it aired, but what I remember from that episode is just basically like a dark fairy tale, which kind of felt yeah. like what Moffat's initial run was. You know, Series 5 was a dark fairy tale. Mm-hmm. I thought it was an interesting episode. I thought it was really yeah. good. Face the Raven is a lot of fun. You know, it's that, it's that dark fairy tale. It's got Clara the whole time being really insufferable because she's like, I am the Doctor. You know, I've been around with him so long. I know exactly what he's going to do and how to save the day. And she just, she fucks it and gets herself killed. You know, yeah. it's it's this amazing, amazing story. And I uh, wish they would have just left it there. <laughs> <laughs> Everyone sure... has to have a happy ending. Yeah. Um, after this, she would become a producer on Bridgerton, and she wrote a few episodes of Discovery of Witches, which are shows that exist. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Sarah pitched the idea of this episode to Moffat because she always loved Frost Fair. She says she's obsessed with all the details about the fair, including the gross things we put in pies. She she be, only became obsessed because her friend uh, Lily Wilkinson wrote a young adult novel called Scatterheart. And she initially didn't have a full idea to pitch, but her basic premise was the Frost Fair and why did the Thames never freeze again? Moffat thought it was a promising starting point and commissioned the episode. Which is a fair pitch, you know? Yeah, um, yeah, good on Moffat for like being like, yeah, you don't have a full, ha- fully hatched idea yet, but it's an interesting the, premise. Yeah, you can Go make ahead. something out of it. Yeah, and yeah, that's a very brief writer's corner this week. But yeah, that's it. <laughs> Lovely, awesome. Are we ready to dive into the episode? Hell yes. Okay, let us begin. Some thin, but still relatively thick ice. It is incredibly fake. Yeah, like, <laughs> they, they walk all over that ice. There's they like do, yeah, there's, an, there's like ice. an elephant on it at one point. Like. <laughs> at the very start. Yeah. <laughs> These men. Why do we trust them? Hide them all myself, sir. Uh, why do I trust you? Sir, 
You understand how important this is, yes? It is imperative that no one discovers where the stuff goes when it leaves here. Oh, I know that, sir. We use unmarked carts. Oh, are they ever followed? Oh, no, sir. Have you checked this personally? Oh, yes, sir. All the way to Hampton? No, to the steel mill, sir. Hampton's code for the steel mill. Code? Yes, we need to use code, otherwise anyone could walk in here and get you blabbing away like a fool. Oh, that's a good point, sir. Now, these men, what do they know of this material? No more than I do, sir. Yes, but you are someone who knows more than he tells. I do not want to speculate. But you can't help it, because you are a man of intelligence. Well, they won't let us smoke in here, so I assume it's fuel. Fuel for the furnaces, sir. Excellent reasoning. Lord Sutcliffe appreciates an inquiring mind. Well, keep me here to the ground, you know. And what is the ground saying these days? That this stuff burns a thousand times longer than coal? Very good. Hotter, too. Hotter than they can measure. Excellent. First class. I'm right. Aren't I, sir? Oh, there's no stopping you. You keep this up and you won't be working in this yard for very long. Oh, you think not? Oh, I can almost guarantee it. <laughs> you know what else they say? They say it even burns underwater. So our episode begins, as every episode of Doctor Who does, with a giant elephant uh, walking along some frozen ice. Uh, it's 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 a fun way to open the episode with, like, you know, just this very literally cold open with yeah. something weird. I like how it opens up. It's very jarring to just have a elephant just appear out of nowhere to, to begin the episode. There's no previously on, there's no theme song or anything. It's just jarring. Mm -hmm. And it's like, what's the experience of opening up the TARDIS door? You never know what's out there, and, and sometimes there's an elephant out there, you know? Yeah. <laughs> Some, sometimes, or, in, you know, in a Dalek movie, there's giant Roman soldiers running <laughs> right at you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you just, you never know. Uh, but it, it's, it's a very fun way to open the episode, uh, and, you know, then they cut away, they go back inside, come back out to, like, you know, explain where they are, which is, like, the 1800s during London, the, the River Thames is frozen, you know, blah, 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 here's exposition, and then we already we immediately start with one of their overarching themes with this episode which is race uh you know bill is a black lady and she is like yo you know i'm gonna be discriminated against here in the 1800s and capaldi's like uh, yeah oh my god i didn't even think yeah probably like <laughs> you know yeah, but... uh, sarah dollard said she probably wrote a monologue for peter capaldi at one point but she realized you know Peter's pause would sell it, sell it perfectly. He can mm -hmm. express the whole monologue in his eyes. He's just mm -hmm. like very saddened by the thought of racism. Yeah, it's 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 very good, and it's it's something that Doctor Who doesn't often tackle. They did it a little bit with Martha whenever Martha would travel back yeah. in time, but I remember they they kind of just kind of like hand waved it a bit, where they were like. I remember specifically in the episode with Shakespeare, where she, where she goes back, she's like, isn't people going to notice that, you know, I'm not exactly white? And then she just yeah. sees a bunch of, you know, not white people around. And the doctor's like, yeah, they're, you know, there's yeah. lots of black people around in this time as well. Um, yeah, she also experiences racism she during does. The human nature. Yes, yes. If you remember, you know, the whole, she's a maid and the mm -hmm. boys are making fun of her basically i think one of the boys says you'll never tell your hands are how dirty you, yeah how can you tell when yeah. everything's clean or something like that which is yeah. horrific absolutely but speaking of martha 
I think Bill might be the most normal compari- companion since Martha, because she wasn't really special. There wasn't, like, a mystery box set around her. Mm-hmm. Uh, Donna had, like, a whole mystery box of why she keeps on connecting to the Doctor. Amy had the whole girl who waits situation. Clara plus, had the... Plus, Amy also had, you know, River Song. You yeah. Know, who, like... She, she, Amy was a mystery box with a mystery box inside of her, <laughs> basically. <laughs> yeah, and Clara was the most important person to ever exist. Yeah, and it was nice to just get a normal companion for once who can just act as a surrogate to the audience. Yeah, he's just there to have fun and explore with their cool professor that they're like, you know. It's they're, it's a nice change of pace for a companion, uh, I, I very much, very much, very much enjoy Bill. And then, you know, there was nothing special about Yaz either, but, you know, <laughs> the fact... Yaz isn't likable, though. Yaz <laughs> is just not likable at all. Yaz, Yaz spends most of her time forgetting she's a police officer and mm-hmm. thinking about what would the doctor do in this situation. It's just, it's not as well written, you know, because yeah. there, there's episodes where Yaz confronts the doctor where she's outraged about something. And it's just, it's not as compelling. It's not as well written as when Bill is here shouting at the doctor because he doesn't care that a kid died. That happens yeah. later in the episode. But, you know, there's just not that emotion feeling. Yeah, because there's there's also a lot of times when the doctor is separated from Yaz. Like, the entirety of Flux, they never yeah. really spend too much time together. That's because, obviously, they had to deal with COVID and they had to shoot separately. So if somebody was ill, they could still shoot scenes from another actor. But, you know, it, it, it hurts the storyline, especially when you're trying to set up a romance plot between the Doctor and Yaz. Yeah. You can't do that if they spend most of the time separated. Yeah, God, it was so bad. But uh, speaking of things that are bad, the episode continues as the Doctor tells Bill to go inside and find a cool dress. And then a man carrying a bunch of vegetables awkwardly walks past the doctor. It's supposed to be like he bumps into him, but it doesn't really look like he bumps into him. And then he just kind of throws all his vegetables off the bridge. Uh, But that knocks off a shoe that's underneath the ice. And then that's... It's it's really awkwardly staged. Yeah, it is. It is. There's a few times where this was very clearly shot in studio where there is some just awkward staging. I would say like 90% or even 95% of us, you're thinking... It's just out in the open. I, I, there's not too many scenes where I think it's obviously a stage. Mm-hmm. I think most mostly it's pretty good direction and yeah, set design and all that. It looks really solid for the most part. Just and every the, now and then it's not. Yeah. And the costumes, the costumes that the, uh, Bill and the Doctor wear look great. I really like Oh, yeah. It. Yeah, it, it's nice seeing them dressed up in, in proper old-timey outfits. Capaldi really suits that suit. Like, he does. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, but they knock the the veg knocks off a shoe that's under the ice, and that falls onto a big CGI monster thing, and that's the hook for the episode. As we go into Capaldi's really underwhelming intro, uh, which you know I think we've spoken about before. It's it's yeah. not the best. I like the song, but it's it's far far from the best Modern Who intro. Uh, and the episode continues with the Doctor and bill walking around the streets and bill still trying to learn and establish mainly for you know a new audience what is 
the rules what are you know yeah. what is the rules of time travel in this show and basically peter capaldi is like there are no rules don't worry about it yeah. you know uh he makes a fantastic joke about uh what was it pete or something yeah that is, pete, yeah pete, yeah pete was just standing right here yeah <laughs> yeah and then he's gone and you've forgotten all about him because he stepped on a butterfly like it's <laughs> just a fantastic time travel joke yeah a lot of this was written by Stephen moffat the whole time travel jokes and i, I really like it when sci-fi characters are aware of sci-fi tropes yeah it's really it's really cool when that happens because you get to explain a bit of how the doctor who's lore is a little bit different compared to most mm-hmm. time travel stuff you know doctor doctor who changes history all the fucking time oh, just yeah. the fact that the doctor's here he changes mm-hmm. history like that whole that, that fucking fish man the fish monster would have eaten it everyone yeah. you know <laughs> Yep, yep, but uh, basically it's just don't worry too much about time travel, have a good time, and Bill's like, fuck it, I'm going to have a great time and eat all the weird food that they're selling on these this ice, and then we immediately find out they're selling things like hearts and, you know, <laughs> just these weird intestinal bits, and Bill is immediately put off while the doctor eats a penis. <laughs> uh, there's a moment where Bill steps onto the ice for the first time, and she's like, no big deal, just walking on the Thames. And the and in the script, it's described as the doctor enjoys her enjoyment, which is such a great line because <laughs> I I really like his character arc for the show because when Peter Capaldi first started, he was always like, "Am I a good man?" And he, yeah, and he he was overly dark, and then his arc was, "Oh yeah, he's just gonna lighten up over the seasons." Like this episode, he's he's a very light doctor, but still carries a lot of the darkness. Yeah, he's he's super charming in this. His his arc as the Doctor is fantastic, but you know his his first season where he is grumpy, angry guy was not superb. And then his yeah. second season where he was Rockstar Doctor, I have a real soft spot for. But uh, the storyline stuff with me, I'm just I'm, I'm not a huge with, fan of with it. With the character me, not yeah, you. with the character <laughs> me, I just I'm not a huge fan of it. And then when there was like that random episode out of the blue where he like halfway through and oh my god, I remembered why I look like Peter Capaldi now. Oh where god, like yeah. you know just suddenly happens. But, but this but season, you know, Professor really... Doctor, Professor Doctor, yeah. so good. That episode where he, it's explained why he chose that face didn't need to happen. No, at really. this point, it was like halfway through his second season, and I was like, I've moved on. Like, answer this question in his first season if you want to yeah. answer it. Like, Yeah, and it would have been funny if he was like, I chose this face because I was the villain of season three of Torchwood. Remember when? <laughs> <laughs> I, I was going to give you a spoiler there, but I'm not going to give you a spoiler oh. for season three of Torchwood. Right. But yeah, yeah it, it, his character ends really tragically. Interesting. So. Uh, also in this, also in this scene, the doctor mentions he's been to the Frost Fairs before. Um, in a good man goes to war. River said the eleventh Doctor took her to the eighteen fourteen Frost Fair, which is obviously the same period as this one. Mm-hmm. Um, an actual deleted scene of this episode has the Doctor telling the story of bringing Stevie Wonder to perform <laughs> for his wife here. Uh, Bill was surprised he's married, and he says, I know, the good ones are always taken. Which <laughs> I, I kind of wish it was left in the episode, but I understand why it was cut out. Yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, the, the first, oh, sorry, the first Doctor took Vicky and Steven to the 1814 Frost Fair as well, in Big Finish audio drama Frostfire. 
and the Twelfth Doctor promises to take Clara to one in the, in the Caretaker, and he eventually takes her in the book Silhouette, which co-stars Vastra, Jenny and Strax, and this takes place in the late 19th century. So he's been to a lot of Frostwares with Doctor. really enjoys them. He really, really enjoys them. <laughs> yeah. Uh, <laughs> But uh, the episode continues as uh, Bill and that look at some more events. They see like wrestling and things like that. And there's some lighthearted jokes. Uh, and eventually they end up inside a tent trying to purchase a pie. Uh, and the guy performs like some sort of coin flip trick. I'm not sure what the trick's supposed to be. Is it that it always lands like the way up that he wants it to? And I, I don't understand what the what Yeah, the joke I, I don't was. know either. But I enjoy doctor, the doctor getting thrown out for stealing the pie. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. The doctor's like, show me how you did that trick. I'm an excellent thief. I could steal anything. Uh, and the guy's like, get the fuck out of my shop. But at this point, the doctor has stolen seemingly infinite numbers of pies because later <laughs> on, he's just handing them out to so many children. His pockets are bigger on the inside. Yeah. <laughs> um, with, with, I like all the performers we see with the sword eat and the contortionist. There's a lot of great performances in here. And Sarah Dollard wanted something similar in Face the Raven, but that episode was at the end of the season, meaning the budget had completely run out at this point, mm-hmm. And it was like unnecessarily... It, it wasn't needed for that episode. And obviously this was near the beginning of the season, so they had plenty of budget to spare. So it was... Yeah. I really like it here. It's really good touch. Yeah, it, it very, very much is. Uh, we see a couple of people walk out onto the ice and get distracted by, like, some glowing lights, and the guy vanishes very suddenly. It's because this is just showing us what's happening to people. There's this strange glowing light under the ice that Bill has been noticing and the doctor hasn't mentioned. The second she brings it up, like, hey, could something strange happen? He's like, okay, cool, about time. We were. I was just waiting for you to stop having fun so we could you know go on a doctor who adventure uh which was just it's a it's a fun little fun little thing and then we immediately meet the children of this episode which they don't super bother me i think they're pretty decent actors as far as like tv kid actors go i I think they're they hold their own pretty well yeah compared to like courtney from season eight or (laughs) that little girl from like the was it the forest in the night whatever that episode was called oh my god that episode sucked so much (laughs) really but yeah uh, series eight had a lot of really bad k doctors these k doctors are pretty decent they feel believable in the rules they're a little bit annoying but for kids kids are always annoying you know yeah for sure uh but the doctor gets distracted by one who's like oh our dog's missing and he's like nah this is a con because your dog isn't small and brown it's big and white according to this caller uh but he's distracted long enough for a smaller kid with a red hat to steal his ugly as fuck sonic screwdriver i think i understand the design i think the whole point is it's supposed to look like the tardis you know it's like tardis blue and it's big and square and blocky but it's just it's hideous and the doctor never uses it i i miss i miss capaldi sonic shades you know i liked sonic shades they were they were silly and fun (laughs) i liked sonic shades sonic shades were different i don't like the sonic screwdriver at all but in this episode the sonic screwdriver is actually used in a way that makes a lot of sense bill calls it a magic wand which is really funny (laughs) (laughs) yep it is it is very very good but the kid runs away with it uh and they they eventually track him down but he's run out onto the ice where he straight up just gets killed uh i don't remember if this character comes back but i'm pretty sure he doesn't i'm i'm pretty sure at the end it's a different little boy that they give the whole house to so this this kid (laughs) who's like maybe seven or eight we just watch him get eaten by a monster he gets sucked under that ice uh it's it was shocking you know 
maybe it's because I've been playing some Kingdom Hearts recently. I was expecting him to end up like Pinocchio, just inside of the whale, and then eventually <laughs> the doctor will go inside of the whale and rescue him. But no, he just no, straight up dies. It's he does. It's shocking. <laughs> it really, really is. But it's. It's also, it's the kind of darkness that Moffat was really obsessed with, with Capaldi's era. Mm-hmm. I, you know, I don't, I don't know what it was in, in Moffat where he was like, okay, we're done with the lighthearted Matt Smith. Let's do really grungy, dark Doctor Who where people die all the time. Yeah. Uh, I remember one of the darkest moments of the Moffat era came at the end of series eight when basically Missy is overtaking heaven, basically. Mm-hmm. And it's like... Heaven, but it was a... like the cloud, actually. Yeah. I don't like that episode. It was terrible. We'll cover it someday. <laughs> but the episode basically says, "But if you're cremated, you can never go to heaven," which is horrifying. A lot of people were <laughs> upset by that. Like, yeah, don't worry yikes. about it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but the kid gets sucked under the ice, but not before the doctor can save his sonic screwdriver. Uh, and this leads to a fucking fantastic scene with the doctor and Bill, where Bill is like, "Do something," like save the kid or you know actually help and the doctor's like he's dead what the fuck I, you know how am i supposed to stop death I'm like what what do i do in this situation uh and bill like storms off when he's not looking and it leads to a fantastic conversation later on down the line but i really yeah. really really like the chemistry between um oh my god i know her name what's her name oh my fuck who plays bill who plays bill Pearl Mackey. Pearl Mackey. I really like the chemistry <laughs> between her and Peter Capaldi. Uh, and it's a shame. I've not seen Pearl Mackey in anything other than do- this season of Doctor yeah. Who. What has she been up to? I'm going to look this up. Yeah. I, I, wasn't she like a stand-up comic or something? I don't think so. I have no idea what she did On her Wikipedia, she's just a British actress. Um, Interesting. She starred in a few films. No, none that I'm familiar with. Some short films. She was in an episode of Sleep and Maze, a Sleep and Beauty, apparently. I don't know. No uh, she was in an episode of Friday Night Dinner, and she hasn't right. really done anything. Yeah, it's weird. I've not seen her it, it show up in anything, which is strange, because she's so such a good actor, you know? Yeah, she, really she, underappreciated. She might, she might just do a lot of stage work. I'm not sure what mm, she's been maybe, up to recently. Maybe, I think she yeah. just got married. Oh, is, nice. Um, she and her partner announced their engagement on the 19th of January 2022, so yeah. Oh, wow, very recently. Nice. nice. The episode continues with the very good conversation between Bill and Capaldi, where Bill is asking him, uh, you know, where, how many people have you killed? You know, how many people have you seen die? You know, like, what is this, you know, like, how does this not affect you? How many, how are you, this, like unfazed by it and the doctor's like i am phased by it i just move on because if i don't yeah. move on people fucking keep dying yeah <laughs> you know uh, Stephen moffat wrote the line i'm two thousand years old and i've never had the t- time for the luxury of outrage which was such a great line mm-hmm. it's like yeah the doctor can't spend every moment concerned over death when he could because he has to keep on going forward and trying to stop other people from dying. He can't spend time grieving mm-hmm. over someone, you know? He has to keep yeah. going. It's it, it's very, 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 very well written. It's it's a, such, a, such a good conversation. And it's so rare as well where you get the companion immediately challenging the doctor on something you know this is this is bill's like pro- first proper time travel adventure with the doctor and she's already yeah. like you know there's something off you know how is you not bothered by this 
what year did the last episode take place in? I think it was like 24 um, or something. So this is our first time yeah, it was in, the, in, the in the past. past. Yeah. yeah. Uh, because the last one was the emoji one. Um, I don't remember too much about episode. It's okay. It's all right. Um, but yeah, this, you know, it's it's very nice to to have a companion stand up for herself and challenge the doctor when she thinks he's being a dick. Uh, but they get interrupted by a little girl who's not bothered at all that the doctor says he's two thousand years old, but is more bothered by the fact that she says like more people are going to go missing or something like that. She's like, what "The fuck do you mean that that's going to happen?" And this leads them into a spooky spooky house full of homeless children that are going to rob them. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, it, it reminds me a lot of Oliver Twist, which is appropriate, yes. because next week we're covering the Charles Dickens episode, so it Spoilers. fits very nicely. <laughs> it does. It does fit very nicely. Uh, the scene in the house is all right, um, you know, where it's just introducing us to these kids that I don't actually care about, uh, and the Doctor is very charming and reads them all a creepy story and gives them all pies, yeah. and, you know, yeah, it's, uh, it's, it's fun. Yeah, the Doctor reading was supposed to be just something that happens in the background, but the director wanted to hear him. So we had him reading a folk story called Struvelter, which is a sto- which is a German's children book. It's a series of short stories about misbehaved kids published in 1845, so like 30 years after this episode takes place. Interesting. But- we could just presume the doctor took it from a TARDIS or something. I don't yeah, know. Yeah, he's got the whole. He's well, the, you know, his his yeah. TARDIS has the library in it. Maybe there's know. a cut scene where he just runs back to a TARDIS. Yeah, yeah. But some of these stories include a girl who plays with matches, accidentally nikes herself, and burns to death. Nice. A boy who gets his thumb cut off by a tailor because he keeps on sucking it, which right. is the story we hear Capaldi reading. And a boy who proclaims he will no longer eat his soup. Five days later, he wastes away and dies. Nice. <laughs> uh, old-time fairy tales. Uh, they're, they're lovely. Um, but inside this house, they discover that, you know, there's there's stuff going on still, and they need to, to go out and investigate it on the ice with their big old deep-diving suits. And this is maybe one of the worst-looking scenes uh where they're out on the ice you know with these these big suits on it's just for me i don't think it's it's inherently a really bad looking scene because i think it's shot well enough i think the issue comes in with the lighting is so weirdly unnatural because there's no street lamps they're standing out on the ice it should be pitch black but there's just this artificial light everywhere if they're also standing in the middle of fog but yeah it's practical lights and it's just yeah, yeah it doesn't look great but at the same time we're we're supposed to be able to see what's going on so there's a very delicate balance going on here i don't imagine it was easy to light this scene at all no i don't think so either but they uh they're not out on the ice for long before bill gets sucked under by the glowing lights and capaldi jumps in after her and they end up under the water where just something really dark happens that i completely forgot and they they, you know they see the giant big red fish thing and then the little boy who got eaten's red hat just floats by them and bill grabs it and it's like jesus fuck that kid is definitely dead his lucky head, his lucky red hat from The Simpsons. <laughs> yeah. Do you remember that recurring thing? And it, it's also they give us a weird flashback just in yeah. case we didn't understand what was going on, which to me felt like a bit more that we didn't need that flashback. You know, we could put it together yeah. that it's the kid's hat. We do this all the time in Doctor Who. I think I had a problem with it when we did our blink episode when we kept on cutting to David Tennant saying, "Don't blink." Mm-hmm. Yeah. But in this case, I feel like it's appropriate because you might not remember the kid had the red hat 
because you're more concerned about him fucking getting sucked underwater yeah. you know yeah so. maybe maybe but it, it's it's all right it's an extremely dark moment in this episode uh that i completely forgot about but capaldi loves his loves his dark moments uh but they they end up being like holy shit this thing is huge and coming back up through a hole where a guy is fishing and it's the guy that was flipping coins before and selling them pies turns out this is where he's getting the fishes he's been cutting up these weird glowing fucking angler fish type guys that they are uh, uh the doctor then like you know interrogates this dude and he's got some some great quips here where you know the first question he asks is like how'd you do the coin trick i just like come on i want to know <laughs> uh, like, <laughs> uh but they don't get too much information from the dude other than uh you know the orders from everything there's something going on yeah. at the docks they need to go and investigate this new area to try and solve the mystery that's unfolding yeah and the the guy who gave the orders had a tattoo and mm-hmm. Sarah Dollard only wrote in the guy had having a tattoo because she was obsessed with the way Capaldi said tattoo in the face <laughs> of Raven. So she just wrote the scene to just have him say it over and over again. <laughs> fair enough. It's fair enough. And also, um, one thing about the scene underwater, it's, it has some great sound design. I'm just listening to it with my headphones. It's really good. It really, it really is really mm-hmm. solid. Yeah, it's just a shame the visuals don't don't quite yeah. live up to to that standard as well. But hey, it was five years ago, you know. Yeah, and like... also I think I think this might have been the lowest in terms of budget for modern Doctor Who. Like the Capaldi years don't have the best the best budget, whereas no. Jodie Whittaker's era seems to jump up for at least a season. Yeah. And then... for at least a season. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, uh, but, you know, Capaldi's era's got better writing, and that's what really matters yeah. more than anything else. Uh, I, I, am it, very, I am very curious to see what this Disney budget does for this show. It's going to be It's going to be incredible. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but our episode continues as the Doctor and Bill head off to investigate what's going on at these like docks or wherever the fuck it was they were actually working i don't remember what the exact place was but like don't even don't even worry about it (laughs) Uh, the episode continues as bill and the doctor infiltrate their way into this like yard where they're doing a bunch of work with some secret stuff uh and it is a very 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 fun scene it reminds me so much of sherlock where <laughs> it's basically sherlock and watson interrogating an idiot and sherlock yeah. like talking circles and getting the guy to admit stuff without him realizing he's admitting anything you know yeah. I, I love it. i love it when the doctor talks his way into finding out about more information yes because any other writer would have just been like oh yeah the doctor uses his sonic screwdriver to to discover what's going on in this situation but, or they you know, just they just sit they like hide behind a rock and just listen to people <laughs> yeah you know and then tell us what they're listening to so that we understand it as well yeah. rather uh, than so the, take yeah, part so the, so the overseer in this uh, scene is played by simon ludders and it turns out he was roommates with sarah dollard in 2009 she didn't actually know he was in this episode till he texted her on set <laughs> uh, he was previously in New Earth playing a patient, but I like that idea of we are roommates and we just didn't know she, she he was working on her episode. It's really fun. That is that is a lot of fun. He was uh, he was also on a CBBC show, Young Dracula, which I loved as a kid. He was Renfield the Butler to Count Dracula. He was also in Broadchurch 
as mm. Trevor Smith, and he would be in a few episodes of Bridgerton, which Sarah Dollard was a producer on, which is again interesting. Yeah, it's, he's he's had quite a quite a laundry list of little b- bits of roles here yeah. and there. That that that's quite nice. He's he's very fun in this. You know, yeah. it's it's a memorable, if albeit brief, performance uh, where he gets completely bamboozled by the doctor, and they find out all sorts of information, like they're carrying this like fuel basically that burns hotter than anything lasts longer than anything and even burns underwater uh secretly to this place and we're discovering that this rich dude whose name i've completely forgotten is the reason that you know people are going missing under the ice because they are getting turned into fuel and there's something strange afoot uh so bill and the doctor continue to investigate as they sneak their way into the big old mansion you forgot the scene transition where Bill almost says the word shit. She's like, she does. no shit. And it cuts to the next scene. Yeah, I was thinking, is this like the closest they ever got to swearing in Doctor Who? Like a major way. Sometimes they say the word bitch or sometimes. Yeah. Um... Now, I, I looked it up. There's a whole Wikipedia page in the Doctor Who wiki about swearing because there's always a page about anything on that wiki yeah. page you know there's even a page about female breasts <laughs> uh, but according to doctor who wiki rose called cassandra a bitchy trampoline in the end of the world and in new earth cassandra almost called rose a slut before being cut off in a similar way so Interesting. I, I guess that's the closest this is the closest we got to getting a major swear word out in doctor who yeah yeah it'd be weird be weird if it ever happens yeah you know? <laughs> be very very strange uh but the doctor and bill end up in the big fancy mansion where the doctor gives a very important speech about how he's going to have to take control of the conversation here and how bill's going to have to just you know sit down and be quiet because the guy they're dealing with who's likely an alien is this piece of shit who just you know he kills children for profit he does not give a crap about anybody and you need to handle this with tactic and grace and you know be smart with your words and you can't fly off the handle as bill is known to do uh, the man comes in and he's immediately very racist to Bill and the doctor punches him in the face. It is a perfect <laughs> setup, an absolute perfect setup to the punchline of punching him in the face. <laughs> the punchline. Um, as uh, <laughs> Sutcliffe is walking into the room, he's like, he refers to the doctor as Dr. Disco, which was an alias previously yes. used in the Zygon 2 part, which we covered at the start of the year. It's, it's very funny how things go full circle around here. It is. It really, really is. Uh, um, I love... I love Dr. Disco, or as the guy calls it, Dr. Disco. Like... <laughs> <laughs> uh, Dollard unconsciously named sort, uh, Lord Sutcliffe after Donald Sutcliffe, a character from the Hannibal episode. Uh, she was writing Hannibal fan fiction at the same time as writing this script. Uh-huh. Uh, she feel, she said that she feels Donald Sutcliffe would be a descendant of Lord Sutcliffe's family, as the characters are similarly uh, selfish and twisted. And believe it or not, the the punch actually got some complaints for being too political. We you know the doctor can never punch a racist. <laughs> yeah, yeah, punch, uh, punching a racist is too political. Brilliant. Uh, Sarah Dollard said, "It's a story about a black woman traveling in her own country's past to a time and place where some black people are still literally the property of white people. To ignore racism in this episode would also have a, been a political choice." Yeah. Which, is 100% spot on and yeah I really like it when the Doctor Who just touches on some elements of racism here and there we don't make a full episode out well actually we did in Rosa (laughs) (laughs) so you know yeah but but, yeah you know it's not often front and center 
you know. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but the episode, anyway, continues as the Doctor and that are then, like, wrapped up with Bonds and interrogated by the villain, who is extra cheesy, extra ham. Yeah. He's kind of he's kind of a nothing villain, you know. He shows up in these last 15 minutes of the episode to kind of be like, and I'm doing it all for profit. Mwahaha, I'll kill them all. I just, I don't have a good bone in me. The Doctor yeah. gives this pretty decent monologue, and he's like, oh, it's so good. If only I gave a shit. You know, it's 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 a whatever villain. Yeah, and um, uh, when uh, when Sarah was writing this uh, monologue, she was thinking it was going a bit overboard, but Moffat just encouraged Sarah to just completely go with it, and it's a great monologue for the Doctor. It really There's is. A moment where Bill was like inspired by the Doctor's speech, and yeah, it's a really nice little moment, and I'm glad the villain isn't like a big maniacal villain. It's mm-hmm. nice to just have a small villain. Because mm-hmm. what I'm interested in this episode is the relationship between the Doctor and Bill. And any villain that was too big would have been... It would have taken away from that relationship, really. Yeah, it would have, it would have overpowered the episode for sure. Uh, but they end up getting taken away to be like eaten by the fish or something. Because the, the big bad guy is like, fuck it, we'll just do it now. Because his plan is to blow up the river and have everybody be eaten by the giant fish dude so the giant fish dude could produce even more fuel uh why he needs even more fuel when he seems to be producing it at an extremely steady rate i don't understand but i guess greed is a powerful drug uh yeah it's like elon musk is the richest man in the world he still wants shit you know yeah yeah uh we have there's a very nice uh brief scene with the doctor and bill where they're in the back of a cart uh getting transported to the to the river and bill's like you know are you really like two thousand years old because just uh, how long does it take for somebody to be able to say like that thing you said you know that awesome speech about compassion and caring and shit like that uh it's just a very nice little sweet small character scene uh then the episode continues uh, where the Doctor and Bill get locked up into a tent and they're told that, you know, everything's going to blow up at noon. Goodbye. Bill's like, you can't just leave us in a tent. We'll scream for help. But there's some very nice editing where her screaming for help is in matched cutted with like all the noise around them from the circus and the people buying and just it blends together. as just one big white noise, uh, which is very, very, very fun. And then we get some sonic screwdriver shenanigans to 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 get yeah. them out of this situation, uh, which you know I, I I quite like how they use the sonic in this uh, yeah. to to get them out. I thought it was it's it's pretty clever. Yeah, but they use the sonic to untie their hands apparently, which I yeah I, mean, I, I wasn't I wasn't sure how they got out the out the rope. They kind of just yeah. like don't wait too long to let you figure that one out. Because when I watched this for the first time for this podcast it was like okay he's using a sonic to attract the fish to uh-huh. get rid of that man but no he, he just fucking straight up uses the sonic to try and get him untied attracting yeah. the fish was an intended side effect yeah it was just is... like a happy coincidence where he's like oh shit we could we could use this to our advantage yeah uh, but like don't even don't even worry about it uh, yeah, because... but, bill, but bill has to kick over a sonic screwdriver to the doctor which reminds me of a scene in can you hear me where the 14th <laughs> doctor has to kick the sonic screwdriver it's from so the floor shit. Into... it's so shit it's, it's not from the floor though it's from her pocket scott it, yeah it's, it's in it's her from... pocket and she flicks it up 
out of her pocket. It, it's the most ridiculous looking scene I've ever seen. It's fucking hilarious. And the editing of that scene is just it's horrendous. Awful as well. It's so it's... bad. Oh my god. <laughs> it's such a bad episode in general. It's genuinely a shit episode yeah, of Doctor Who. And, and you can see where the episode could have been really fucking good, you know, if it actually mm-hmm. focused on the companion's mental health for it for the entire episode, but instead we're like Oh yeah, what what is Ryan's friend doing? Yeah, it's also the episode where Jodie has her worst ep- worst yeah. ever moment about cancer. But it's the second not, week in a row we've we're not, that. Yeah, we're not talking about Jodie. We're talking about a much better era uh, <laughs> where the doctor uses his sonic screwdriver. The guy comes in because he notices all the glowy fish and he's like, what the fuck is going on? Give me that screwdriver. He gets eaten by the fish. The doctor grabs the screwdriver back and everybody's untied magically and they go off to now try and save the day. Uh, Bill is taken back a little bit at the bad guy dying, but she doesn't care about it as much as she did the little boy. Uh, yeah. There's just another person dead in this episode already quite a high death count you know it's it like is, yeah. two or three people which is interesting i suppose quite a low death count for doctor who really you know <laughs> <laughs> the episode continues with bill getting upset at the doctor because she's like 100 percent got it in her head that the only way out of this is to kill the thing and she's like fuck it i, I really don't want to kill the thing i don't have to make that choice that seems like the the wrong thing to do and capaldi's not saying anything the whole time uh until he's eventually like you know you make the choice. What do we do in this situation, Bill? And she's like, ah, fuck it. Let's try and save the thing. And uh, Capaldi's like, hell yeah, let, let's let's get it on. And then the, the plan comes into action extremely quickly uh, where they separate up and Bill starts going around with the urchin children telling everybody to get off the ice because it's thawing. You know, somebody fell through. Everybody's got to go, go, go because they're all going to drown if they don't get off the ice right now. Whereas Capaldi is nowhere to be seen. Yeah, uh, the, the doctor essentially teaching Bill about the hard decisions he has to mm-hmm. face as a time traveler is really solid because you can imagine Bill going off on her own adventures separate from the doctor like Sarah Jane Smith. Which she does with the puddle lady. Yeah, with, with wet lady. Yeah. <laughs> she was very wet indeed. The lady that was a puddle. Like... <laughs> Yeah, but she's also a Cyberman? I can't remember exactly what the fuck happens to Bill at the end. Of yeah, I don't 10. remember. Doesn't she, she... She she ends up getting saved, doesn't she? And she ends up traveling through space and time with her puddle girlfriend. Yeah, I think she's kind of like in the same situation as Clara. She's like... Yeah, where it's like in taking between life, life and, and death. death. Yeah, yeah, yeah because cause that was the whole puddle ladies thing as well. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah. Did, <laughs> yeah, Moffat did the ending twice. He did it for Clara and he did it for Bill. But yeah, I, and um, one of my favorite scenes of the people running from the ice is the contortionist with his le- legs behind his head. He's trying to get free from her. Yeah, it's it's very, very funny. Um, not everybody believes that the ice is thawing, so not everybody goes. And Bill at that point is like, fuck it, you're all going to die then. I don't give a shit. Uh, as we're watching the villain, who's very, very hamming it up, being like, I'm going to blow it up. Ha I've got a big plunger. And he plunges the plunger down, but things don't blow up. And, 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 and he knocks uh, Bill out with that plunger, much like Tegan from <laughs> that Balak episode. <laughs> no. Thankfully, that doesn't happen. Uh, and instead, the the ice doesn't explode, but instead the chains holding the giant fish explodes. Uh, and the guy starts freaking out and he runs onto the ice. He's like, oh my god, how did this happen? As Capaldi comes up from under the water inside his big fish suit, uh, 
it just doesn't look like a giant fish it's like a deep diving suit but i wish yeah. it looked like a giant fish uh as the ice <laughs> the ice does indeed start cracking and thawing as the giant fish starts moving out and there's a really bad effect shot where the villain just falls into the ice and presumably yeah. drowns it doesn't look great it's also uh, kind of a, a weak wrap-up for the villain but again he's not the yeah. focus of this episode at all and then the villain's top hat kind of like flies out because i guess i guess the fish monster kind of spits it back out or something i don't yeah know. no idea it's, it's really awkward it's really cartoony it, it is but it, it leads to quite a nice ending where they're watching the thing swim away out presumably into the ocean or wherever the hell it is going uh and then the episode wraps up as we're watching the street urchins come into the big house and they're like okay we've got to be on our best behavior don't like act funny or be weird or anything like that and Bill invites them in and they get to have Christmas dinner as Capaldi is sitting, etching something, writing something yeah. down. Uh, the girls basically like, don't don't look funny at them if they speak strangely and you're expecting yeah. it to be because we're kind of posh and we speak yeah. with posh words and all that, but it's because it's Bill and she's from the future. Yeah, and she's using like slang, like 2017 yeah. slang. <laughs> like, yeah, it's it's very funny. Um, I also, I, I don't know what it is about it. I really like the aesthetic of Peter Capaldi in Victorian era. He really, he yeah. has, a, he really matches it. Just him sitting there, like, scribbling on that piece of paper with the, the thing, being like, you boy, what's your name? Uh, it's just charming. Just charming <laughs> little guy. His doctor is, like, the most Victorian kind of dressed, yeah. you know? He, it, yeah. all, like, all, most of the classic doctors are dressed in, like, Victorian garb. Like, Pertwee, for example. Pertwee, mm-hmm. obviously, uh, Capaldi's outfit is based on Pertwee, so seeing him in a Victorian setting just fits so much better, honestly. It really does. It really does. Uh, but it turns out that Capaldi is writing uh, a will, or he's editing a will, basically, to to reveal that one of these urchins is the long-lost child of the rich evil dude, and that all these kids are going to inherit the wealth um, because, you know, everybody deserves a happy ending. Uh, and they, they travel back into their own time, which is uh, just oh yeah, as... And he, and he asks one of the boys... You boy, remind me what's your name. I almost expected him to be like, you boy, what year is it? Like, you know what? Um, Christmas Carl. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, but they end up traveling back to their own time where uh, Nardole is coming in with some tea. Presumably where he left in the last episode was to go off and get them tea and then they, From they quickly ran the to the TARDIS. the first episode, actually, I'd imagine, yeah. because, yeah. Yeah, they've been away for a while. Um but Nardole has got the great line where he says that he's made them tea and he's added some coffee for extra to give it some flavor, uh, which is just <laughs> just disgusting. Uh, he, but he's, he's, a, he's an alien he's a, robot. He's, man, he's a right? yeah, he's a robot. He's he says he says very briefly uh, at the end of the episode, he's like, "I never asked to be reassembled," uh, yeah. but he is he is a robot guy. Um, yeah, Nardole wound up on the spaceship protecting those people from the Cybermen at the end of the series, right? He's still alive. Yeah, I think so. I, I don't yeah. remember what he does exactly. Um, but uh, Bill also looks up what happened, and it turns out that, that everybody got a happy ending because the kid got hit the money, people contested the will, but it was deemed to be legitimate, and everybody, you know, was happily ever aftered. Uh and it's it's just an, it's a nice little wrap up to the episode. There's some some ham fisting with uh, Nardole being like, "But your oath, Doctor, your oath. You you've broken your yeah. oath. We need to talk about your oath that you've made to never time travel, Doctor. The oath, remember?" Uh, <laughs> and then we go down and we see that there is the this is the the arc with the 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 safe in the basement. 
uh, where you're like, what is inside this safe? What has the doctor got locked up that he's like promising to guard for his entire life? Uh, it's definitely not Missy. Why would you ever think it would be Missy? Yeah. That would be so strange for it to be Missy. Why, I remember know? it being so obvious it was yeah. Missy at yeah. the very start. And you're like, no, it can't be Missy because that's too obvious. Yeah. I mean, but it, it turned out to be Missy. It, it, it was Missy. And it, it did lead to a really good story, though. I love Missy's redemption arc with the doctor. It when did, she comes yeah. out and she starts traveling in the TARDIS and there's the, you know, the hope in Capaldi's eyes. That, oh, my God, I've got my best friend yeah. back. You know, it's fucking just an outstanding arc. The whole reason she's in the safe in the first place was because she was, like, sentenced to death or something, wasn't she? Mm -hmm. Yeah. And then the doctor saved her, basically said, I'll keep her prisoner, I'll look over her for, Mm -hmm. like, a thousand years, I'll keep her locked up. And, yeah. Yeah. It would be very interesting if this season was just, like, yeah, the doctor sticks to his oath and he stays (laughs) on Earth. It becomes like John Pertwee's first few seasons. He's just on Earth the entire time. That would be an interesting change, but I'm kind of glad they didn't they didn't go yeah. that far, you know. I, I like I like the time travel alien stuff, um, but that that is how the episode ends with with the teasing of what's inside the safe, and we get a very good next time trailer for the spooky house episode yeah. that happens after this one. But that does bring us to the end of Thin Ice, Scott. And what are your thoughts on this episode looking back at it after all this time? Yeah, it's just a really solid little romp, isn't it? It's just. It's not an episode I would go back to in a rush or anything. It's it's not the best episode ever, but it's a nice little third outing for this Doctor. I think Series 10 is basically like, follows the prototype of Series 1, where where the Mm -hmm. third episode of Series 1 was in the past as well, and that was a Christmassy episode, and we're covering it next (laughs) week. (laughs) Yep. (laughs) Yeah, yes we are. it's a it's a fun wee romp episode for sure you know it's it's low stakes nothing super important it's just let's have a doctor who adventure and it's yeah. been absolutely ages since we've just had an episode that was a doctor who adventure that wasn't world ending that wasn't yeah. you know this huge mysterious plot it's just there's something spooky under the lake let's go see what it is absolutely fantastic time uh brilliant brilliant little little episode and uh, we're, we're we're not going to get another episode like this until like Shooty got was like set oh for an episode. Yeah, I know. <laughs> and that's gonna in be, 2024. Gonna be a while. Gonna be a while before Doctor Who goes back to just being small scale episodic yeah. adventures. Um, but you know, it's nice while they were there. I really enjoyed, really enjoyed going over this episode again. Uh, lovely, lovely change of pace. We've not and covered yeah, too much of Capaldi. I think we've only done maybe one or two Capaldi episodes before this. We've covered the Zygon two-parter in deep. And we've covered his, his first episode. Yeah, so yeah. this is our, our fourth Capaldi. Uh, but he's one of my favorite Doctors. Yeah. I fucking adore him so much. He's probably my favorite modern Doctor. He's he's really great. Yeah, yeah. I, he's, it's, if we're counting Paul McGann as classic Who... He's definitely my favorite modern doctor. And um, also, like, one of my favorite things about Series 10 is, like, there's a two-person TARDIS team because, obviously, Nardole mm-hmm. joins in on few adventures, but it's, they still have the episodes where Nardole isn't involved in the main plot. I think that's... I think that could have been a good idea for, like, uh, Jodie Whittaker's it's, run. Just... It's, it's, it's also it's very similar to what uh, Moffat did with Rory and Amy where yeah. Rory wasn't in on every episode, you know, sometimes he was just kind of left behind. <laughs> like, or what Russell T. Davis did in season one, where it's the Doctor and Rose for like six episodes, and then Adam joins in for an mm-hmm. episode or two, and then Captain Jack comes along, Rip, uh, Mickey comes along. Mm-hmm. It's, it's a good way to do a multi-tardist team, just doing it a couple of episodes, mm-hmm. and you're still getting like 
you know, sometimes Ryan and Graham didn't need to be there, so you could have just had them stay at I home. I mean, Yaz you know? didn't need to be there any at any point. <laughs> she no reason to be on any True. of the adventures. Uh, but... <laughs> Uh, anyway, that does bring us to the end of this episode. Next week, we are looking at The Unquite Dead, isn't it? Yeah. Yes, uh, um, which is a Christopher Eccleston episode. I'm yeah. very much looking we forward to We haven't covered a Christopher Eccleston episode in... Uh, Dalek. When was Dalek? Dalek was a long time ago. Uh, was yeah. it this year or was it last? It might have been last year. Uh, <laughs> but we, we do cover Eccleston quite a bit because we do the, the audio dramas, but we don't cover his era quite as yeah. often and that's um, obviously for a good reason because there's not much so brief yes yeah, it's, it's so short uh but until then uh scott why don't you 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 take this bit fuck you oh god um, um <laughs> what, what are your thoughts on i almost call this episode deep breath i can't do this part um, I, 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 um <laughs> deep no Thin Ice. What are what are your thoughts on Thin Ice? Send us an email at whowatcheswhopod at gmail.com and we will read it out at the end of the month in our News Roundup podcast. <laughs> also, leave us a comment on the YouTube channel. You know, just leave us a message somewhere and we'll find it. Um, so also, rate us, rate us yes, yeah. rate, us, yeah. rate us five stars on your podcast app of choice. It's a great way for people to discover the podcast. Share it with everybody you know. It's available in audio form wherever you listen to podcasts, in video form on YouTube. Uh, there's a bunch of links in the description. Make use of them. Find me on Twitter at Cloth223. Find the podcast on Twitter at Watches Doctor. Find us on Facebook at Who Watches Who. We're all over the goddamn place. Uh, you know, it's we're, we're coming up to the end of the second year of the podcast. Next year's crazy, crazy year for us, so you know let's let's get the word out you know this great podcast listen to it mm, doctor who anyway we will <laughs> see you next week with the unquite dead bye bye